Welcome to God's Character Broadcast, courtesy of Advent Family Missions. In this series of broadcasts, we're going to be considering who is God? What is God like? And how does God educate and instruct us through His Word regarding practical issues of life? We're going to be looking at existential issues like, Who am I? Why am I here? And where am I going from here? We're going to be looking at topics affecting family, youth, children. We're also going to be considering topics like science, technology, history, and how they relate to religion and spirituality. Our goal is to help you to enrich your relationship with God and to help you to have a better understanding of who God is. Join us on this exciting journey through the Word of God. Happy Sabbath to you and wherever you're watching us from. You're welcome to this edition of our Sabbath Nuggets. And today we are looking at a question, why are there many Christian denominations? I'm sure you may have had this question somewhere before. That's what we're looking at today. Before we begin, we'll have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you that we can be with you this wonderful Sabbath and be able to have this conversation, something that means a lot to many Christians or even non-Christians to understand why there's so much division and many denominations in the Christian uh, world. We pray for your guidance. In Jesus' name we have. Amen. Amen. So, according to a website called lifescience.com, there are over 45,000 Christian denominations in the world. Over 45,000. Is that really so? <laughs> um, anyway, over, you said 45,000? Yeah. And anyway, I, I won't really say it's not true. Uh -huh. Neither will I say it's true. Uh -huh. What do I mean by that? Because if you look at this subset we're talking about, if you divide them into categories, you mm. see that they are not really um, as much as we try to portray. Some of these groups are just um, scattered all over, but mm. they are like, they build upon each other. They are all together. For example, if we begin to group the Roman Catholics, Protestantism, mm. Pentecostalism. Mm. You, you see, if you begin to group them with perhaps doctrines and beliefs, mm. they, are, they, they may not be to that amount as much as, as, much as is being yeah. portrayed here okay. right now. And, you know, some of these groups of people came through the idea of, for example, the Protestants. They, mm. they, they, they emanated from um, people like Martin Luther, mm -hmm. Martin Luther, then we have the Lutheran, we have John Wesley uh, for the Methodist Church, and mm -hmm. we have, uh, I think, the Calvinist, yes, John Calvin. John Calvin. Well. You know, so these groups came out of something, mm -hmm. and they, 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 and of course, Pentecostalism is just, just came in, uh, in the 20th century, right. uh, not too long ago, and it started in the Azusa movement, mm -hmm. the street movement in Azusa. And we know that these groups of people are not as much as we are trying to portray. But yes, we know there are divisions in Christianity mm -hmm. due to these factors. Yes, okay. So um, you said the divisions. We will go to the divisions towards the end. But at least we know right now that um, there are 
umbrella or groups for the 45,000, not literally 45,000 denominations. Uh, but in Bible times, uh, there was something similar as well that goes in line with Lutherans, uh, Calvinists, uh, John Wesley, Methodists, and all this. That is quite similar. If you look at First Corinthians chapter 3, you see Paul talking about an issue of people following after people. And uh, I'm reading from verse 4 of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. For why one said, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believe, even as the Lord gave to every man. Paul is saying that we should not follow humans. And that's a very crucial point regarding what we are talking about today. For example, those who follow Luther, the Lutherans, just a while ago, they said there's no more protest. The Lutheran church, you know, went back to Rome, so to speak, went back to being intimate again with the Roman Catholic Church and saying there is no more protest, whereas Luther would never accept such if he was alive. So they followed him up to a point and then they stopped following. But if they had followed who Luther was following, Jesus Christ, who says, follow the word of God and the traditions of men, they would have kept on uh, following that line of action of the Bible and the Bible only. But yes, that's where you get when you follow human beings. But then the first point is here is that we should follow People, even as they follow Christ. So Christ should be the foremost. Like Paul says, follow me even as I follow Christ. So the reason why we have many denominations today, again, uh, is because people follow people. In Africa, for example, we have many issues going on in Christendom. Like almost in every street, you will see a church. And many members of the church go there because of the person who founded that church. They go there because they think this person has something special. Maybe they have some kind of prophet. Maybe they have some superpowers or maybe they can heal them from whatever challenges they are facing and whatever. The reasons are really a lot. But the point remains that people follow people still today just like uh, there was this issue cropping up during the time of Paul. That's, it's like overblown now, like after many centuries. And that's why we have many issues in Christendom. Today, yes. You you know um, what you just said now reminds me during the time of Christ. Right. After Christ died, and mm. the apostles were named Christians because mm. they were acting like Christ. Mm. You see, these people didn't have different sets of people here and there, or different denomination here and there. They were they were all in one accord because they were following just one person, mm. which was Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ. The early mm. church. Right. They followed Jesus Christ, and of course. Um, Paul began to notice this problem and he had to address it. And I think fast forward into this time, we've really lost it in mm. Christianity. That people, people's religion is no longer based on Christ. We, we, don't, we didn't have the opportunity to see Christ. We don't see Christ, but we have the Bible, you see. We have the Bible to guide us, to mm. tell us what to do and what not to do. And we, can follow Christ safely by following the Bible. But yes. the issue is we've lost it. We've, people don't even have time to study the Bible anymore. So it, it's easier for me to just have a figure, you know, mm. that I feel has studied the entire Bible. Some of us have not even studied the entire Bible before, mm -hmm. you know, but we, we, we just find it easier for us to have someone that can pray for us, someone that can study the Bible for us, someone that can do this thing, you know, just fix peace to our life without mm. us getting to do these things ourselves. But that was not what Christianity was mm -hmm. at all from the onset. Mm -hmm. Christianity was about, about 
studying, people were studying, people mm-hmm. were praying, people yeah. were searching after Christ. Mm-hmm. If only Christians would do that today, mm-hmm. I think we don't have these denominational issues that we're having. Yeah. We, we would all be united mm-hmm. and one in Christ. Amen. Yes. And if you look at uh, some sociological factors as well, you see that as human beings, we like to belong to like tribes. You know, uh, we like to belong mm-hmm. to peer groups. We like to identify with a certain kind of group just to feel a sense of identity. So this also shows that there are sociological factors affecting the Christian church. And it's okay to be part of a group, but we shouldn't have different doctrines. That's the issue. If you look at the times of the apostles, there were different groups, actually. You know, there was the church in Ephesus. There was the church in Antioch. There was the church in Corinth and so forth. So definitely there were different churches. But again, they had only what doctrine. And the doctrine is what I will show you from the scripture. Let's go to Second John chapter, I mean, Second John, no, verse 9, there's no chapter. Uh, in verse 9 of Second John, you will see the Bible read thus, Whosoever transgresseth and abided not in the doctrine of Paul, or doctrine of Apollos, or doctrine of, you know, name that pastor somewhere in the world who has a denomination and a following. You can you put the name of the person there. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says just one name. Whosoever transgresseth and abided not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. Hmm. He that abided in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, verse 10, reading on, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's feet. This was a very serious issue, or as you can see during the time of the apostles, that people were having different divisions in the church and doctrines and all of that. You know, and as you can see, even the apostle John had something to say about this. And what he has to say is even strong. Because it shows that there were heresies creeping into the church. And when you begin to see heresies in the church, you need to take a very definitive action. You need to sound like John. John is saying that don't be the person God speaks. That shows that the matter had reached his eyes. So in the last days, too, we'll see that this, because everything that happens in the Bible, really, we are told it will happen again in the last days. Christ says there will be false teachers, there will be false prophets, there will rise many false Christs. I think you can also as well put, false doctrines because they can fall under that and you can stay in the last days this is going to happen just like christ predicted so as we conclude on this what is something you would suggest or should i say recommend to somebody who is disturbed about the fact that there are many christian denominations and wants to maybe be a christian for example the person doesn't have to be disturbed um i think the best thing to do is to go to god's word Mm. The safety that we would have in this last day with the so many denominations and different doctrines is sticking to God's word. And if we all stick to God's word, then we really have nothing uh, mm. to fear. Isaiah 8.20 says, To the law and to the testimony, mm-hmm. if they speak mm-hmm. not according to this word, it is because there is no light Lighting in them. Mm-hmm. The Bible should be our guide. So stick to the Bible. You don't have to be confused. You use your Bible by their fruit and by their fruits, ye shall know them. So judge the fruit, um, test the spirit, the Bible said. So if you see a church that meets the biblical um 
instructions that keeps to the Bible. We call it sola scriptura. So if you see a church that holds that daily, then you should follow Christ. Follow Christ, stick to the Bible, and God bless you. Yeah, amen. God bless you. So thank you for that wonderful admonition. So we are not really now that there will be different worshippers in different places because we all live in different parts of the world. There will be churches everywhere. But the major issue again is what is the doctrine in those churches? Is it the doctrine of Apollos or of Peter or of Paul or of whoever name it? Or is it the doctrine of Christ? And the Bible shows us what the doctrine of Christ is. We need to study that. That's what we are studying to find out. How did Christ live his life? How did he keep his father's commandments? How did he wash his father? These are the questions we need to be asking. And this needs to be consistent across all of the churches. That was what Paul and John must have been dealing with. And the same we are dealing with today. Because in the last days, these things will happen again. False prophets will arise. False teachers will arise. And then under all of this, you can have false doctrines, like we said. So may God help us to remember the, the words of Christ and to now say, how did Christ worship and how does he want me to worship today? And I hope that you will be blessed as you do so. Thank you for joining us for this edition of our Sabbath Nuggets. Follow our Facebook page and YouTube page for contents like this. And we hope to see you in our next edition. God bless you. Bye. Martin Luther was born on November 10, 1483, in Elsterburn, Saxony, Germany, then part of the Holy Roman Empire. He was baptized as a Catholic and studied philosophy and law. He became a monk in 1505 after a thunderstorm scared him into making a vow. He later became a priest and a scholar, and in 1517, he wrote a document criticizing the Catholic Church's practice of selling indulgences. Back in the monastery life of the Roman Catholic Church, Luther was heard the voice of God in his mind, audible and clear, that the just shall live by faith, while he was faithfully performing a church rite. This would begin the odious journey to the Protestant Reformation, which will become the third major force within Christendom, beside Roman Catholicism and Eastern Orthodoxy. Prior to the rise of Protestantism, the existing two branches of Christianity, that is Roman Catholicism and Eastern Orthodoxy, were steeped in extra-biblical traditions. The Protestant movement started quite dramatically with Luther's 95 Thesis, which he nailed to the wall of the church and standing up effectively to Pope Leo X at the Diet of Worms. As the Protestant Reformation grew, out of it emerged the articulation of five essential points of doctrine known as the Five Solas. These serve as a summary of the core beliefs of Protestantism and separated it from Christianity as practiced at the time. Sola gratia, grace alone, salvation from the judgment and the condemnation of God that every human being deserves because we are sinners, is a gift of grace from God. It has nothing to do with human merits. Sola fide, faith alone, 
the biblical truth that we are saved by faith in Jesus Christ alone is what sets Christianity apart from all other religions in the world. It is not by the believer's works, but by Christ's work on the cross that a person is saved, even though our profession in Christ will be judged by our works. Solus Christos, Christ alone. The Bible's declaration that there is no forgiveness of sins and salvation in no other but Jesus Christ. Sola Scriptura, Scripture alone. The Maxim and Anthem of Martin Luther and the summary of the order for solace. Says Aaron Dellinger of Reformation21.org, In all other regards, sola scriptura constitutes the rejection of claims advanced by others, claims for the inspired and infallible status of some extra-scriptural word, whether of the Mormon, Roman Catholic, Pentecostal or vanilla evangelical variety. The honors probandi for those claims rests on others. Until convincing proof for the inspired and infallible status of the Book of Mormon, Tradition, the Magisterium, Fortune, Cookies, or any other proposed medium of divine communication comes forth, we can and must stand our ground. So help us, God. So help me, God. Reminds us of the very words of Luther. Soli Dio Gloria, to the glory of God alone. It was the earnest purpose of Martin Luther and his all-consuming desire to see his beloved Roman Catholic Church return to the original teachings of the Bible and represent the true face of biblical Christianity. Therefore, Luther's Protestantism rejected the core claims of the Catholic Church, including apostolic succession, the infallibility attributed to the Pope, and the equating of the authority of church teaching and tradition with the authority of Scripture. However, the Roman Catholic Church pushed back and made Protestantism a crime punishable by death. Although Luther will escape many attempts to kill him, Many of his aides and supporters were burnt at the stake for being heretics, a crime punishable by death in the Roman Catholic Church at the time. Fast forward a few centuries in the 21st century, Luther's protest is about over because the history is lost to many Christians. The Christian world since Luther's work continues to suffer from Roman Catholic principles and characteristics. The Azusa Street Revival, for example, which gave rise to the Pentecostalism movement of the 19th century and early 20th century, and the charismatic movement of the 20th century have had overwhelming influence on Christianity across the world. Like Roman Catholicism, they bring experiences, feelings, or traditions to equate with Bible truth. In this alone, they differ from the Protestant movement of the 16th century, which insists that all our experiences and feelings must be subjected and obedient to the highest Bible standards. The legacy of the Protestant Reformation of the 16th century stands even though it led to a religious revolution that caused many divisions of Christianity from the Roman Catholic Church. Luther did not set out to create different branches of Christianity. Like with Jesus Christ, Luther's master, two things mattered, unity and truth, not one or the other. Better divided and have truth unite us 
even though we be few, than to have a conglomerate of Christianity built on falsehoods and fallible human traditions. Today, it is utterly important to remind ourselves of Luther's protest in the face of the ecumenical movements sweeping across America in recent years, which seeks to end Luther's protest. For example, in the words of influential Christian minister Bishop Tony, in a gathering of prominent Protestant preachers, including Kenneth Hagin and Billy Graham, the protest is over. No more Protestant church. But if ending Luther's Bible-inspired protest means ending the Bible as the rule of faith and practice, then it is all about undoing the very foundations of freedom of conscience and religious liberty which was bathed by the Protestant Reformation. It is about taking us back to the Roman Catholic Church as the rule of faith and conscience, to the Dark Ages with all its heels, to a time when the Bible was not meant to be read by the common man, to false Christianity clothed in all its glory and grandeur. An article published by the National Geographic recounts that Martin Luther's words and actions inspired many people in Europe to reformulate their beliefs and to seek religious freedom in America. Luther will go on to advocate the translation of the Bible into other languages and to single-handedly translate the entire Bible into German. His life inspired many other contemporaries who became reformers in their own right, including Philip Melanchthon, John Calvin, and William Tyndale, who translated the Bible into English and suffered the punishment of death as a result from the church. The truth is, Luther's influence to put the Bible first is a worldwide phenomenon ringing in the hearts of those who want to take God at His word in every time and dispensation. If the verse study and do your best to present yourself to God, approved a workman, tested by trial, who has no reason to be ashamed, accurately handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth, that is 2 Timothy 2.15, was a man, it would be Martin Luther, and so should we. Martin Luther evidently had God by his side, or he could never have witnessed such profound success against the religious edifice of his time, the great Roman Catholic Church, in the face of recent backdrops against Christian fundamentalism and the ecumenical music Christians everywhere are tuned to, we need to remind ourselves what Martin Luther fought for, and most importantly, why.